Hey, it is great to see you today. Head on in, find a seat. It's fun uh, greeting at the door when it's that cold. I, I mean, it's so cold outside that I can feel the cold radiating <laughs> off you. My gosh. I just, I, it's kind of like the little catch your breath thing going on <laughs> here. But I've not been totally cold all week. Uh, Monday morning, I, I headed down to uh, Abilene to spend some time with Nate. Mm -hmm. So I was there until got back here last night at 8 o'clock. But... Um, I mean, you might be a little jealous of being in Texas. It was not, it was not hyper warm every day. Except for the day that it was 77. That day was nice. But like yesterday, driving to the airport, it's 35 and there were actually snow flurries in Dallas. So that was, <laughs> that was kind of crazy. But there were, there were a lot of fun pieces to this trip. So I'm not, I, I'm not crazy about traveling. I like being home. I like being at the place I'm going to. But the, but the getting there... Blech. I just, those of you that have to do that for a living, oh my word, I, I would have a shortened lifespan. I really would. I just, heart failure, wondering if you're going to make it on time, where is this, all that kind of stuff. So um, to fly into Abilene is like way too expensive to make it worth it. So instead you fly into Dallas, you grab a car, you head on over. So I go to the car counter and I was, I was going to get a nice modest Camry. I'm like, I'd like a Camry, please. You know, he actually filled out the form ahead of time. So I get there, and, and the woman says, uh, we're out of Camrys. Would you like a Camaro? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, no, a Camaro. I'm like, um, well, would it cost the same? Yes. And it's convertible. I'm like, <laughs> a Camaro? Com really? Uh, um, yeah. Okay. And, the, and then she says, do you want white or red? I'm like, I'm not doing red. I'm not, <laughs> give me white. So, so driving around in that thing all week was a blast. Boy, it's fun to hit the gas and actually go somewhere. That's kind of crazy, you know? I'm not a car guy. I, to me, a car is it gets you from here to there. But after this week, I kind of get it a little bit. It's, it's, it's fun. And part of the part that was really hilarious, so we, we pull up to the apartment, and they, you know, he's got a, the balcony up above. There's a guy standing on the balcony, and he looks down, and he goes, that's one kick car. And I looked at him like, I am an aging pastor. Use better <laughs> language. What's wrong with you, you know? But I, I have never had anybody say that about my Toyota. Ever, 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 ever. So that was, I was, it was fun. Flying back, I, it's funny, Southwest, like flying with them. It was not a particularly full flight. Pretty empty. And so they're saying, you know, spread out, make sure there's a seat between you, all that kind of stuff. A lot of empty seats in the back. And this couple walks up and says, do you mind if I sit by, we sit by you? And they did. And, and they were large. And so I'm kind of getting the crowd the whole time and whatever. I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is fun. This is good. Then I realized you can go on the Southwest app and watch free TV. So I'm like, oh, cool. I get to watch the Bills and Patriots. You know, Nate's a Patriots fan. I've been a Bills fan all my life growing up in Buffalo. So I'm watching the game and I'm like, it's really cool. But the whole time I'm going, I don't get it. They're, they're playing in Foxborough, but I know we won the, the, the AFC East. What's going on here? So finally realized I can do the free texting thing. I text Nate. He's like, game hasn't even started yet. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I've been watching an old okay. game thinking I'm winning. <laughs> I've invested my heart in this thing. And now, boom, invest. Loss. But as it turns out, Buffalo did okay. Truck. Okay. Truck. They the did pages. okay. Yeah. I've not watched football for a couple years, so um, I did not realize Buffalo has adopted the chicken wing hat. Yeah, you got uh, your cheese heads in Green Bay and you got your chicken 
heads <laughs> in Buffalo. It's weird. I, I don't need one. I promise. I do not need one. That, that was It'll be on your bizarre, doorstep so. April 10th. Wow. A <laughs> lot of fun. A lot of fun. Did you, have, did you have a fun week? Yeah. Yeah. I, speaking of sports, I got to go down and uh, Riley and I got to spend time with uh, my father-in-law and brother and sister-in-law watching the Illini beat the daylights out of Michigan. So cool. it's fun. Oh, yeah, that's good. always that's always double fun. Always good. Not just winning, but beating yeah. Michigan is always a fantastic feeling. Yeah. So you got you got your um, update yesterday. Anything you want to highlight on that? Uh, well, just that we are um, we're asking for feedback with our online um, platforms. We know that as people get sick and whatever, as you if you have to stay home for a week, you're watching online and you're either watching on the phone or tablet or computer or whatever and what we want to do is make sure that we're providing the best possible experience. So if you've had to watch online or if you know, there's a time in the future, if you could let us know, like if you're currently watching right now, if you could let us know what that experience is like uh, in terms of sound quality, in terms of the video, you know, what, what are the things that are going well, what maybe could we improve upon, that'd be really helpful for us because... It's good to know what device, too. Yeah. Because there's a big difference between 70-inch TV and phone. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even, even like in audio, makes a huge difference between the two. Yeah, and as you mentioned in the first service, we don't have some massive production team that, yeah. that takes the video. and Ryan you know. is our massive production team <laughs> yeah. right there. He does it all. He's like an octopus. He's in just hitting all the buttons, <laughs> keeping it all going. So, But there are teams, literally, they have a dedicated separate room yeah. just to make sure the audio and video is top-notch. And we, we want you to have a good experience mm -hmm. and, and be able to enjoy being together. We know we're in that season of training. Travel, flu, all kinds of stuff going on that's causing people to be home. Yeah. So we also have an annual meeting at the, what, beginning of next month? Yeah, first Tuesday in February. Yeah. yeah. So, so the other thing we wanted to cover with you this morning is what we've been talking about for uh, a bunch of weeks now, that we're going to be entering into this all-church transformative experience. And uh, we, we've, been, we've been looking for a while for... Um, for some material that we, that we believe really delivers well on making disciples. That is the call of Christ's church. He wants us to be people who make disciples of everybody we come in touch with. Not just making sure that you're at church, but that you're growing to be more like Jesus along the way. And uh, it's really been a burden for me, uh, you know, all year long as we've kind of come out of uh, shutdown and everything else, there was a while there that was like, all we're doing is operating week to week. We're just, let's get through this week. Who knows what they're going to announce, what they're going to say, what's going to happen. Right. Let's get through this week. Well, now we're, we want to get away from week to week to let's have a long-term plan. And we want to make sure that we're doing something effective that's making disciples. So we looked at a bunch of different curriculum and, and uh, opportunities out there with the recognition that nothing's perfect. There is no, if somebody says they've got the perfect kit, they're selling snake oil, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and we know that nothing's perfect, but, but one of the things we came across was, a, was a, a, a material called Rooted. And what I love about this, the main way that it came on my radar at the beginning of the, the shutdown, one of the people at our church got involved in a Rooted group at another church. And it was actually through that that she engaged in a relationship with God. And I'm like, okay, if that did that online, mm -hmm. imagine what could happen in person. So uh, we're really excited about this opportunity. Let me just walk through what it is so you have an idea of, of what Rooted is. We've referred to it time and time again as an all-church 
transformative experience. If you were to, ta- uh, to Google Rooted today, you'll find all kinds of different churches do this all kinds of different mm-hmm. ways. Uh, some churches, are they have a dedicated Rooted night. Tuesday nights, that's our Rooted night. Ben Mott's church in, uh, in Wisconsin, when you come to the church, the first group you engage in is a group with Rooted. They, they want that to be your first small group. So the mechanics of it aren't the biggest deal for us. Mm-hmm. We're treating it as something that we're all doing together. We think it's important right now to have that all-together experience. Um, it is, if you look at it, it's an approach. One of many, it's an approach to growing in Christ in community. So growing in Jesus is important. Doing that with other believers is important. Mm-hmm. And, and what they really focus on are seven life-changing habits. Habits, disciplines are what grow us. You, you know, good habits help us to grow more like Jesus. So, so they engage a, a, a handful plus two of habits that you grow in. One of them is just doing a daily devotional. Mm-hmm. You literally have a book that you're reading a couple pages, answering some questions, uh, doing those things along the way. One of the reasons we think this is important now is that our church needs what we might call a same-page moment. So if you're to look over the last two or three years, look at all the people who used to sit in one of the chairs here who are now in Colorado or Carolina or Texas or somewhere else, that literally is, is numbering now for us into the couple hundred. I mean, it's a lot of people that have moved to other places. We've also had a lot of people over the last several years that have come here mm-hmm. And what we want to do is not assume that because you came from a place called church and come to a place called church, that it's the same thing. Uh, Churches are different. They speak different language. Some even have a different mission other than what's going on in the Word of God. So a same page experience where we use words like salvation, we're all talking about the same thing. I love that when you're doing week one, they actually, they refer to just like we do, the ABCs. And that's the way you come into a relationship with God. So that, that same page moment is very important for our church. And then beyond that, I would describe it as an invitation. It's an invitation. Are, are you going to grow or not? Are, are you ready to get growing or not? For a lot of us, I think, you know, we keep whatever it is, we just keep delaying. I'll do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll do it some other time. Are you ready to initiate growth in your relationship with Jesus. This is an invitation to that. So uh, you had a chance. We, we met last week with a group and whatever. Mm-hmm. What are you learning about it so far? Well, What's your experience? First off, I, this is the book that goes along with the group, and it's, it's nice. It looks good. You know, it's even it's, got a ribbon. It's even got a ribbon in there, yeah. So, but if I'm doing a group for the first time, or if I'm trying to to jump in and, and get involved in this. I, I personally, maybe you're not like this, but I, I see more than like 20 pages and I'm like, uh-oh, this, this is <laughs> going to be the, hard. The teacher doesn't like this to read, you're yeah. saying, or what? <laughs> I read enough. When you read, when you read as much eighth grade work as I do. You, <laughs> anyway, um, no, so I, I look at this and I'm like, oh man, this, this is going to be, this is going to be a challenge. This is going to be it's going to be hard forming those habits, doing it, being consistent. It's a big commitment. And I mean, yeah, that it is a big commitment. So when you, I, I, I think when you sign up to do this, when you, when we're going to talk about the different options here in a moment, but when you jump in, this is really about your relationship with God. 
-hmm. Are you committed to taking that next step? And we're going to talk about next steps too. Everybody's in a different spot, but I'm telling you, there's an opportunity here for all of us to work through some of the same questions that we have all had at one point in our walk with Jesus. And again, starting with that, that, base, that basic commitment, setting up and starting and saying, yes, I am in. I am committed to growing in my relationship with God. I am committed to helping others do that same thing. I'm committed to being a part of this thing that we are all doing together. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. That's awesome. I, part of what I, you, you mentioned that the book feels a little intimidating. I mean, if you're not a reader, you're like, that's a lot of book. You're not sitting down and reading it in one or two to three sittings. Exactly. This is actually a devotional book. So you're, you're doing a couple pages and then answering questions. And they even have space in the book for writing. So mm -hmm. that would make the book even thinner mm -hmm. if you didn't have the writing space. But everything, everything is in one place. So let's just talk about different levels of engagement. How can you be involved in this? The, most, the absolute most basic level is that we all are engaged in, on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Our Sunday morning teaching will center around the topic of the week that we're engaging in the book and in groups and everywhere else. So uh, the, the, the most basic thing is to make a commitment from February 6th to April 10th. I'm going to be there every week. I want to be a part of tracking along the way, being a part of this on Sunday morning, getting the common language, getting, getting those pieces. The most basic way you can be involved is show up, bring your ears, and use them. <laughs> and and as, you hear, as you're hearing, engage that at a transformative level. It's really important. Beyond that, the second level would be Sunday morning as well as doing a daily devotion. So like I said, you do, they have it broken down to five days a week. Gives you room for that little makeup if you need it. And it's like two pages of reading. And then, and then that's followed by uh, a few questions and space to write in order to respond to the questions. Here's why I like the material and why, why, why I like the questions. They are, they're transformative questions. They're not informational questions. Let me show you the difference. An informational question, a lot of time you're doing a discipleship booklet with somebody, informational question looks like this. Question number one, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only blank. What answer did you get? Son. Son. What answer did you get? Son. What answer did you get? Son. We all got son. Great. Let's move on to number two. Well, that's, it's great to have the information, but we're talking transformation. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What have you done with his son? Go through this booklet together with some friends. Maybe, maybe there's someone you work with, you're at the same workplace and you're like, hey, I'm doing this, you're doing this. Why don't we meet for a half hour at lunch and just talk through our answers? Mm -hmm. You know, engage on what we're reading, that sort of thing. Maybe you already have a group of people that you meet together with and it's like, why don't we do this together? So it's, it's kind of a, a find a friend approach where you get your friend, do the reading together, do Sunday together, and grow together. And then, and then the other level of engagement would be to do this, but to actually join one of the church small groups. So you join a group and get involved in that. And between Sunday morning, daily devotionals, group, you're really getting the full experiences of, of Rooted mm -hmm. uh, for the 10 weeks. So anything to add there? No. I told him his main job this morning is, if I'm confusing, make sure you untangle the confusion. So, so if you've never seen this before, this is our church website. 
How do you, how do you jump on? How do you get involved in, in uh, Rooted? You're going to go to the website. There are a couple other ways that we can get you there as well. We've got a barcode, a couple other things. In fact, if you go out to the TV this morning, you'll see the code come up. You can just scan it with your phone. It takes you right there. But you go to our website. Second tab over says ministries. You click that, and a little pull down comes down. The first one says groups. The second one says events. We want you to go to events. Don't go to groups. Go to events. We want you to go to events. And when you go to events, you'll see right now we have three events listed, including Green Lake and Camp. And then there's this green one at the end that says Rooted 10-Week Experience. You will click that. And if you click that, you bring up a page that looks something like this. Not exactly like this because I've already joined. So mine doesn't say register anymore. It says view registration. Here's what's important about this page. This page has words on it. And you need to read these words. Reading all these, if you read all these words, you're going to be in a good place. If you're one of those people that goes to a website and you look at the pictures and you're done, you're not going to understand what's going on. You got to read the words. So especially how to get involved, one, two, three. Mm. So we're wanting you to register to be a part of this. You may wonder, but my plan really is to just do Sunday morning and the book. That's exactly the reason we're asking you to do the registration, because that's the way you're going to get the book. You can't go on Amazon and get it. You can't even go to their site and get it. You've got to get it through your church. So you're going to go to the registration, at the very least, to say, I need the book. As you go a step further in the registration, at the very bottom, they have this thing called add-on. You're going to click that, and that's going to get you your book as you work your way uh, through the registration. So some of you have done groups before. And you're like, well, what I normally do is go to the groups link and I join my group that way. And if you go to the groups link right now, all the rooted groups are there, right? But we want to make sure that you're working your way through getting the book and all. So you go through events. After you've registered for the event in the follow-up email, there will be a link that says join a group. And when you click that, you'll come up to this very pretty colorful page where there are all kinds of groups that are being offered. And what I love right now, we literally have a group being offered every day of the week except Saturday. So there are all kinds of groups. There are some that are exclusive to men and some that are exclusive to women. But all the rest have some version of guys and girls, all right? And, and we had, it, it kind of stinks. We can't be totally uh, symmetrical on these because if you use the same name, it won't let you do it. So we had to do like gals and guys, men and women, women and men, do different ways of wording it in order that all the groups show up. But uh, we really want to be open and sensitive to the fact that you may want to join and your spouse may not want to join. You may want to join and you're not married. You may, you know, you may want to be a part of this. This isn't couples. This is we want you to come be a part of this group and engage together. Mm -hmm. So you'll sign up for a group, and then you'll be good to go. By February 6th, the books will be out here. If you've gone ahead and done the registration and have that, we'll be doing the book distribution here so that it's all taken care of that way. Any questions so far? No, not yet. Good, good. Well, how about some of the questions some people might be asking that you are not? Do I have to register? What's the answer to that? Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. One, because we want to know that you're going to be doing this with us, and two, so that you can get that book. Do I have to get a book? If you want to be a part of it, then yeah, you do. <laughs> Doesn't uh, it feel like something one of your kids would ask? Do I have to read Mr. Pab? <laughs> really? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, if you want to be a part of it, you need to get a book. But, but here's the question that really is, uh, can we share? If we're a couple, can we share? The answer is, can you share? Can you share? <laughs> Do you share anything? Yeah. I mean, if you, if, you, if you have a hard time sharing, this may not be the time to start. But uh, no, I, you can. You certainly can. But if you know that your spouse is going to keep the book at work and you want it at home or whatever, that might get a little frustrating. Yeah. And then just knowing too that as these devotions go, you're going to be uh, asked to journal. So if you know, you're sharing that information uh, as, the, as you go along, just be aware that if you're going to share, people are going to see that. Uh, cool. I have one quick thing with, do I have to get a book that was brought up to me after uh, the first service. We're doing this with students too, but mm. not with this book. So you mm. do not need to purchase one for students. Um, we're doing it with the high schoolers, not junior high. Um, but we have a, a much smaller, condensed version of, of what we got going on on Sunday morning. So this is college and above that register this way. Yes. High yeah. school, different story. High school, you're, you're getting a book given to you at group when we start. And that'll be, uh, so you don't need to register for that or anything. We'll have it um, there and ready for you. So it's a totally separate thing for students. Can I join a group and not do the homework? No. You need, you need to do the, you you need to do the, the homework. Who wants you to do the work? Part of it is that commitment, that idea that I am, I'm all in. And I, I want to see over this 10 weeks how my, my, my growth, my understanding of my relationship with Jesus, how it all changes and how it all comes together. What I always tell my groups, you know, because we do a lot of times we'll have something that we're reading or doing outside of the group, and I say to them, hey, it was a bad week and you didn't get it done, please show up. Yeah, right. You know, we want you to show up still, but, but we enter the group with the intention of, we're going to answer the questions, because mm -hmm. those are the questions we'll be talking about at the group. And then the other question is, can I join more than one group? We have a lot of people around here who are group junkies. I mean, they're <laughs> into two, three, four groups. Can I be in, can I be in more what do you think the answer is? You got an answer? You can, but uh, just know that we're all doing the same thing, so it's going to be fairly monotonous if you go to all the groups. I think, I think what will happen is you, you, you'll probably get a different perspective. Sure. Yeah. So like my Thursday morning group, it's one hour, so we're mm -hmm. only going to be able to cover one question, but um, it may be a different question because there are lots of questions. It may be a different one than you covered in your other group. So yeah. you can. You certainly can. Uh, you're, you're open to that. So uh, we'll be sharing more about this over the next couple of weeks. I think the main thing today is get to the website, look at the registration, check it out, and if you can, go ahead and get registered. The books are $20. That's what it costs us to get them. We're not making money off of the books. Um, that's the cost of the book and the shipping together. And uh, the way they want it to work is that it's done through the church that's offering it and not a bunch of individuals going and ordering from their website. So, so we'll have the books available. The more of you that sign up early, uh, we've already got 100 ordered, but if we need more than that, we want to make sure that they're here the day we get started. So I'd like to go ahead and move into our, um, our series, Ready for Anything. And to do that, I need you to read Luke chapter 2. Um, starting with verse 22, please. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit 
that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law that was required, Simeon took him in his arms, praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many who are in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage, when, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Thank you. True confessions. Anybody still have their Christmas decorations up? Raise your hand. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, yeah. My neighbor still has all their Christmas decorations up. They did a beautiful job decorating. They got a sign out front, welcome to Bedford Falls. Their tree is, I mean, it just looks beautiful. And still here it is, middle of January. You pull in, the lights are on, and it just makes me smile. It is hard to put Christmas back in the box. It's hard to put it away. And, and that's been true for this series. This series has been our Christmas series. And today we're putting Christmas back in the box. Hard to put it away. It's said that it is the most wonderful time of the year. Why in the world would you want to put the most wonderful time of the year into the box? But we've been on this series since literally the second to last week of October, working our way through understanding what it means for Emmanuel, God to be with us. And then on Christmas Eve, we, we transitioned, we looked at the, the characters involved in the Christmas story and saw the way in which they were ready for absolutely anything God would bring their way. That particular night and in the weeks that followed, everything that happened to these people was out of the ordinary. It was utterly extraordinary. And they weren't people that said, I only do normal. I only do, I only do predictable. I only do what I can expect. They were open to whatever God might bring their way. That openness is expressed in the heart of Mary, who is a person of unreserved openness. For a lot of us, we're open, but open with reservation, open with conditions. I'll do it, God, but I'll do it, God, if I remember early on, I've said this before, but early on in life, I would say to God, God, I'll do anything you want if you'll just tell me how it's going to turn out. God doesn't, no, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. That's part of learning how to trust in God and walk in God. Unreserved openness. Joseph, a man of reflexive humility. He didn't have to conjure it up. He already had the reflex uh, posture of humility. He had a humble heart. 
Humility is not admired in American society. Just the opposite. We're all about pride and being proud and, and, and making sure everybody knows what's going on in our life instead of being a person who walks humbly with our God. It said of Jesus that he was lowly and humble in spirit. God wants us to be people who are humble. Then we came to the shepherds and we saw hasty obedience. They, they received the word and they acted immediately. Think about it. If they'd have spent even just one day processing it, one day reflecting on it, they would have missed it. They would have missed Jesus there in that barn. Missed it completely. But they acted immediately. They were quick to obey. And then we saw of the men of the east that they were men of wide-eyed curiosity. They looked at the stars, and in the stars, they saw a star they'd never seen before. And they said, we, we can't just let that go. We've got to follow that star. We've got to find out what this is all about. Well, today we come to a pair of uh, characters in the story who appear after Jesus is born. And they're people who have been waiting literally their whole life for the coming of the Messiah. We're talking about Simeon and Anna, people who were filled with hope-filled expectation. They were people who had in their spirit a sense of vital optimism. If God had made a promise, they believed God was going to fulfill his promise. So we, we begin with the book of Luke chapter 2, and if you'll forgive me, I put these together after a plane ride and everything else. So it's Luke 2 and not Matthew 2, okay? You go to Matthew 2, very different story than the words you'll see here today. In Luke chapter 2, you see that eight days after Jesus is born, it comes time for Jesus to be circumcised, and he's given the name Jesus, what the angel had commanded, he's to be given. So Mary and Joseph are obeying the word of God. They're obeying what the angel had said. Not only that, they're obeying the Old Testament law. You look at the Old Testament law in Exodus chapter 12, for 13, as well as over in Leviticus, it said what was supposed to happen with a newborn, firstborn boy brought to the temple, dedicated to Jesus. There were also purification rites that were to be observed. And, and we see in verse 22, it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. And, and it goes on to say that in that purification process, everybody was supposed to bring an offering, even somebody who didn't have much. If you, had, if you didn't have much, you were supposed to bring two pigeons or two doves. So what is this telling us? Mary and Joseph are not people of high financial status. But even they, in all of this, we see people who had incredibly obedient hearts. They wanted to do what God desired. So they're there, they're doing this in the temple. And in verse 25, we read, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him, and, and the Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. It says that day, the Spirit led him, prompted him to go to the temple. So it's funny, we have these incredibly familiar stories, and we think, I've heard this story before. How in the world can we get something new out of this? And I'm reading this story this week, and I'm going, all my life I thought Simeon was a priest. All my life I thought Simeon was a priest there in the temple, and here he is. He's doing baby dedications that day, and Jesus just happens to come. What does the passage say? He's a righteous and devout man in Jerusalem. He's a man who's full of the Holy Spirit, 
And he's a man who's waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus. And, and the Bible tells us that he had been told, your eyes will not shut in death before you see Christ. He had such sensitivity to the Spirit that on a particular day, the Spirit said, you better get to the temple now or you're going to miss what you've waited for all your life. And he shows up and there's Jesus. And I love this because it says Simeon's there. He took the child in his arms and praised God and started to speak. Now think about this. We've changed the picture a little bit. This isn't the priest receiving the baby to do an education. This is some random guy in the temple saying, can I hold your baby? And he comes up and he's holding, he's holding Jesus. And he starts, he starts to pray the most beautiful prayer, a personal prayer. Lord, you can now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My eyes have seen the salvation that you've promised the people of Israel. This child who will be a light to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. Beautiful words. These are words that I, you know, I'd encourage you. I love praying these words before I go to sleep. God, you fulfilled your promise to me. I'm ready for whatever you want. Let your servant rest in peace. I've actually prayed this prayer numerous times with people as they're in their final hours of life. Uh, Roger Swank was, was still conscious, but at a point of life that, that I, I sat with him and said, Roger, I'm praying the prayer of Simeon with you, that God will let you rest. Your servant can go in peace. Got the chance of praying the same prayer with my mother-in-law and, and Vicki just recently, hours before she died. Lord, let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. What a, what a tremendous sense of receiving the promise for which your entire life has been focused. I love this because the next verse says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. <laughs> As if an angel choir wasn't enough. They're like, wow, now this Simeon guy is talking too. There are some great predictions being made about this child. And, and Simeon goes on and prophetically says, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to stumble and many others to rise. And he has been sent as a sign from God but a whole bunch of people are going to oppose him. I don't know that that's what you want to hear on baby dedication day. Your child is going to be opposed. And then these words, as a result, the deepest, thought, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. He's saying these words to Mary. He's saying on the day that Jesus is dedicated in the temple, there will come a day that you will stand at the foot of the cross and you will watch your son die at the hand of evil people. And it's going to pierce your heart. The Bible goes on to say there's this other person present, Anna. She's a prophet. She's also there in the temple. She's a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And it's interesting. We, we read of the tribe of Asher that after they went off to Babylon, it was, it was a very difficult tribe to trace. It was kind of a lost tribe. So the fact that she can trace her lineage back to the tribe of Asher is amazing. It says she's very old. Her husband died when they had only been married for seven years. And it says then she had lived as a widow to the age of 84. Now there's a little bit of uh, interpretive twist put on this passage, and, there, and there's some confusion as to what her age really was. This passage, this translation, basically says she was 84 years old. The Greek gives you the impression as well that she might have been married seven years, lived as a widow 84 years, 
and was likely married sometime around 14. Or in other words, she could be a total of 105 years old. Anywhere from 84 to 105, we're going to settle with, she was very old. This is, an old. this is an older person who's lived all her life waiting for the fulfillment of a promise. Simeon, all his life, waited for the fulfillment of a promise. So she lived in the temple, worshipped, fasted, and prayed. She comes along just as she's hearing Simeon talk, and she can't help but praise God for the words that she's heard. And then the passage closes by letting us know that they headed back to Nazareth. And Mary and Joseph, these two very human uh, parents, get the privilege of raising God's son. And he grew in stature. I mean, talk about intimidating. You're raising the son of God, teaching him who God is and everything he's to learn. Both Simeon and Anna are people of hope-filled expectation. Years and years and years and years had passed, and the promise had not been fulfilled. And they didn't stop praying, and they didn't stop hoping. For how many of us have we had prayers that we prayed, promises that we waited for, and we come to a point of saying, I give up. I'm not getting the answer. It, it hurts too much to pray. It hurts too much to think about it. But if we're going to be people who are ready for anything, hope-filled expectation has got to stay alive even when we don't see the answer because we're believing not in the promise, we're believing in the promiser. We're not, we're not just believing in the fulfillment of what's going to happen. We're believing in the one who fulfills all things. So how do we grow in hope-filled expectation like Simeon and Anna? Each one of these we've talked about a spiritual practice. And for this spiritual practice, I want to encourage you to delay a desire. There's something you want, put off getting it. It's part of the weakness of our time, right? We, we, live in a, we live in a society of instant gratification. We can afford it. I mean, my goodness, you can go on Amazon and you can get it later this afternoon without leaving your house or getting out of your jammies. That's incredible, right? You can have it now. What if you put it off? What if you looked at that thing and said, I'm not going to buy it for a month? Not, 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 not just some training to not be greedy or something, but to actually start to train your heart to wait for a good thing. To train your heart to wait for the fulfillment of something rather than expecting that it's going to happen here, now, immediately, all the time. I have a couple passages that I think need to sink deeply into our hearts when it comes to, to hope. The first one, Romans 5, 3 to 5, there's one line in this that I love, and it's, it's put differently in another translation. It says, and hope does not disappoint us. And hope does not disappoint us. We can rejoice too that, we run, that when we run into problems and trials, we know that they can help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The other verse I'd commend to you is Philippians 1.6. I'm confident of this. I'm certain of this. That the one who began the good work in you will be faithful to complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. You know why I love that verse? It doesn't say, you got a job to do, get started and finish it. It says, God started a work in you. 
And God will complete the work in you. And you need to cooperate with the God who made the promise. He's promised, and we can have hope. We can have hope that he will fulfill his promises. We come to the area of discernment, and for discernment on this one, I think that when we talk about hope-filled expectation, we just start thinking, well, then I just need to hope for everything I want. I think there's a huge difference between a promise of God and a wish prayer. A lot of us, you know, there are clear promises of God that we can cling to. And then there are wish prayers, things that we wish would happen, and we pray to God, kind of rubbing our lucky rabbit's foot, hoping we get what we want. Huge difference between the two. God is not there simply to gratify every wish we have, but you can be confident of this. God will fulfill every promise he has made. Every promise. He will come through on his promises. As for songs, all of these we've given you a song. I want to give you two songs by Benjamin Hastings. One you know pretty well, and that's the song Seasons. I, I love that line. He could have, you could have saved us in a second, and instead you sent a child. I mean, the Bible would have been much shorter if Genesis chapter 4, Jesus would have come, right? And instead, it's hundreds and hundreds of years. And even when the Messiah finally comes, he's not a full-grown adult. We have to wait 33 years for him to die, be buried, and rise again. And even then, though D-Day happens that day, though the battle has been fought and won, we're still living in the mopping up. We're still living in the cleanup, waiting for the blessed hope of his glorious appearing. Seasons. The other one is a new one by Benjamin Hastings called Homeward. Uh, Shelly showed me one, this one this week. She's like, this has got to be your song this week. And I'll tell you what, when you have a chance in the quiet, listen to this. Uh, you, hear, you hear a beautiful groaning heart. In fact, Shelly told me uh, after the first service, there's a little backstory on this song. It took seven years for them to get it out. So, I mean, it's taken a long time for this, for this song to even finally come to fruition. But I, I love the beginning. I'm out here in the open, trina. Uh, that's a new word to me. I'm out here in the open trying <laughs> to stay the path somewhere in between the promise and the place it comes to pass. That's where we all live. We're living somewhere between the promise and the place it comes to pass. We're waiting. As a people, we are people who learn to wait. God wants us to wait. Wait on the promise. I love the ending. Someday I'll see it. Reach the house at the end of the road. Should that road leave me lonely, I know that I'm never alone. I am never alone. What a great way to wrap up everything we've done. What's the series been about? The With Us God. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Too many of us have our eyes on the promise instead of the promiser. We have our eyes on the thing we hope will happen instead of the one who makes things happen. I really believe so much of life, Simeon learned over the course of literal decades, that God was not simply looking to fulfill their wishes. God wanted to be their wish. God wanted to be their desire. He wanted them to live in a place of loving him fully. So, Father God, our prayer is that we would be ready for absolutely anything, people of hope-filled expectation. It's easy to be a pessimist. It's easy to be a downer. 
It's easy to see the way it's not going to happen. It's easy, it's easy to see all the junk in the world. You don't call us to a life of ease. You call us to a hard life of faith. You call us to a place of trusting in you, the promiser. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to invite you to communion, and as you go to the tables at the front and the back, gluten-free on the sides of the stage as well as at the back, um, think about the thing that you've been longing for. Think about the promise that's in waiting. Would you take a moment today to embrace the promiser? For so many of us, we have our eyes so fixed on the promise that's not been fulfilled that we've forgotten the promiser is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. Fix your eyes on the promiser. Let's go to communion. So I wish you'd have been here for the first service because, you know, it's a little different version than we normally do. And so came to the end, you know, the big build, everything else. I walk up the steps. I'm starting to walk into place. And Ryan whispers something to me. I'm like, I can't understand what you said. And he whispers again. I still don't understand. And he says, we're not done. <laughs> oh, well, give me a mic. I'll sing. What do we do? You know, it's kind of, I love that ending. And I love that song because I don't know. So think about a relationship between a, between a parent and a child. Little kid's a little kid, and I mean, they love saying, I love you, Mommy, I love you, Daddy. And I think they really do, but the reality is, I love what you do for me, Mommy. I love what you do for me, Daddy. I love that you fulfill my every need, and you're there fulfilling my desires, fill my wish, and I love you. And there comes some point of a transition in our relationship with our parent that we move beyond seeing them as the giving tree to saying, wow, I really just love you. I really just love being with you. I don't need a thing. I just need you. That's where God is trying to get us. And for some of us, it's going to take 84 years plus for us to finally get to the point of saying it's not about the promise. It's about the promiser. That our living hope isn't that we get everything we wish. Our living hope is Jesus. He's ours and we are his. And that's the privilege of being a Christ follower. That no matter what's going on, blessing or weeping, rejoicing or sadness, I have Jesus and he has me. And so I do pray that his presence will go before you and behind you. Whether weeping or rejoicing, you will know. You will know. He is your living hope. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.